been on a journey anyway, trying to help myself, get myself better in a lot of things. But God's good. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. First Corinthians 12 and verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. It goes on to say, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Verse 31 again says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity, God, to be here today, God. I'm asking you to help us, God. Help us, God, open our hearts, our spirits. Help us, Lord, in your mighty name, God. Help us to please you and do your will, Jesus. For the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. God's good. Amen. Story was told a few years ago about an actor who was playing the part of Jesus in a passion play. Evidently, one of those passion plays that run, they, they do a lot. But as he was carrying the cross up the hill, a bystander in the crowd, uh, this must have been one of those outside type theater type things, so an outsider by, bystander in the crowd began to heckle him, shouting insults. Yes, he was really getting into the, uh, the story. But finally, the actor had taken all he could take. So he threw down the cross. He walked over to the bystander and punched him. <laughs> After the play was over, the director told him, told him, he said, I, I know he was getting on your nerves and, and all that, but I have to fire you. Um, we can't just have you behaving like this while playing the part of Jesus. Back to bed, he pleaded, give me another chance, I can handle it if it happens again. So the director, he gave him another shot. The next day, he was once again carrying the cross in the street, and sure enough, here comes this same heckler back again. You tell that the actor was really getting, um, trying to control himself. He's about to get the best of him, finally clenching his fist, the story says he he was grinding his teeth, and finally he looked up at the heckler and said, I'll meet you after the resurrection. <laughs> Not sure he was the right one to be playing Jesus. That is a funny story. I don't know if it's true, if it's just a story somebody made up. I don't know. But I, I found I thought it would be a good place for this. But um, it's hard for, for, for us who claim to be a child of God, a Christian, to uh, always behave like a Christian should. Amen. We all have a cross to carry, and we carry our crosses. 
But sometimes if somebody crosses us, we're kind of like the guy uh, taking apart and acting like Jesus and, and all of a sudden we begin to act like the world acts. Many times we, we want to talk about how spiritual we are. And then at times we're some of the hardest people to get along with. I know we're human. We're going to be human. On our best days, we're going to be human. We, we may be nice to, you know, some of us like this, we might be nice to everybody else, but when we get back home, your spouse, your kids, we treat them like they're less than life. But now we want to have the gifts of the Spirit. We want to have prophecy flowing through us. But the Bible teaches that we are to be people who exercise love in every relationship. I would say every relationship. Every relationship. Not just those uh, we like, love, don't like. We, we got we to love everybody. Listen to these words in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another. How do we do that? He said, in love. Hebrews 12 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man is going to see the Lord. The Bible lets us know that we are to make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. How, how incredibly awesome would it be to live in peace with everyone? Everybody you come in contact with, you had peace. You, uh, there, there was nothing going on and you, you felt the holiness of God in your world all the time. How, how awesome would that be? It would be great. Is it possible? I believe it must be somewhat possible, Brother Donnie, or they would there would not be scriptures of, of uh, that God has given us because God don't give us false hopes. If he said follow peace with all men and and he talks about endeavoring to keep the unity, the bond of peace between I believe it's possible. But it's going to take a different perspective in our lives. Today, I'm going to start a new series that I think is going to help us. It's going to help us live in peace with everyone. I think it's going to help us to leave, live holy. I read my text again today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. I started off now. You are the body of Christ. We're members in particular. We are the body today. Each part of us is so important to our body. I mean, we could just stop right here and talk about loving each other just with that, you know. I don't reckon there's anybody in here hates your arm so much you just won't cut it off. Good thing. I mean, we don't see all the internal parts on the inside of us, and we just don't want to reach in there and you know the appendix. They say we don't need it, and it gets infected every once in a while, but for sure, if there's nothing wrong with this, ain't nobody just going to cut the side of your belly open and say, I'm just going to cut that out because I don't need it. 
No, we're not going to do that. We are the body of Christ. He, he talks about it a little bit. He said that God has set some of the church as apostles, as people who start churches, as prophets, as people who prophesize things to come that's, that's going to happen. There's teachers, as people who teach the word of God. Then he said, after, after that comes the miracles, the gifts, the healings, the helps, the government of the church, the diversity of tongues. He says, is everybody apostles? I'm paraphrasing here a little bit with it. Are we all prophets? No, we're not all apostles. We're not all prophets. Are we all teachers? Are we all workers of miracles? We're, we're not all that, but each of that makes up the body. Amen. Have all the gifts of the healing. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Understand here, he's not, he's not saying that everybody don't speak with tongues. He's talking about tongues interpretation. We'll talk about it, that at another time. He says, they covet earnestly the best gifts. He said, but yet, I show you a more excellent way. The Apostle Paul teaching the church of Corinth about the gifts of the Spirit and, 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 and what each gift does. If you go through chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, the, the beginning part of what I read, we'll, we'll see. He, he talks about the different gifts of the Spirit and, and he talks about what they are and the operation of the church and all that. Who don't like gifts? I like gifts. Amen. Christmas is right around the corner. I got a birthday coming up soon. Maybe you've got one coming up soon. We've done past this year, but we like gifts. We like to get stuff. We like it. Well, oh, Alex told me a while ago, he said, he said, I, I helped Sister Cheryl put them groceries and stuff up, so can I have some money? <laughs> but Paul, it was as if Paul was realized as he was writing these things that uh, about the gifts that he needed to tell them. You know, he told them about all the gifts, and no doubt they probably get excited and say, Oh, wow, you know, I can have the gifts of tongues interpretation. I, I can have the gift where I can lay hands on somebody and they can be healed. I can have the gift of knowledge where God would give me knowledge about a situation. And no doubt somebody might be reading the thing. Oh, I can get this gift. And something in Paul, he realized that I'm doing this. Oh, hang on a second. I'm telling you about these gifts, but let me tell you about something else. He realized he needed to tell them. Something else. He said, but, but wait, hang on a second. There's, there's something better. There, there's something more important than just the gifts. Paul said, yeah. He said, yet yeah, I showed you a more excellent way. The Living Bible says, verse 31, that last verse in chapter 12 like this. He said, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that's best of all. See, it's better than just having these gifts. It, it's a way of life. You know, we think, oh, if I've got the gift of knowledge, I can walk around and I can tell whether you, you're going to, you know, steal my money or love me or hate me. Or, or I, got, I get the gifts of prophecy. I, you know, they're acting up. So I can lay hands on them and say, hey, let's say the Lord, you're going you're gonna to die next week. Get your life straight. You know? Or if I just had this, this, and this, my life, if I had these gifts, my life would be better. We, we, we have that mentality in our life. I could just, if I could have this, I could have not just the gifts of spirit, but just the stuff in our life. If I could have that car, if I could, I could live at this place, I could have this, I could have this relationship, my life would be better. Paul, like, hang, hang on a second, wait. 
What what is the way of life that is the best of all? What what could be better than getting a new car? What could be better if you look at the spiritual aspect here of having the gifts of the discerning of spirits where you could discern whether somebody was what they was going to do? What, what could be better than that? You see, the Bible was originally written not in the form that we have as far as chapters and books and verses. Corinthians, it was a letter that was written to the Corinthian church and it wasn't broke down. Like we see now the different chapters. We have chapter 12 that talks about gifts. And then we have chapter 13 is the, the book about charity. And, and chapter 14 goes in talking about prophecy. It, it wasn't like that. But originally as Paul wrote, he's continuing this letter to them. So you, you, you have to, we have to turn the page to go from the, uh, to the next chapter after he writes a more excellent way. And when we turn the chapter, we find... The chapter that I asked everybody to say, hey, read this next week. Chapter 13. It's what? It's the chapter that's read in, in, in uh, marriage ceremonies. It's the chapter that's read in so many different situations and circumstances. It's what's known as the love chapter. It's the chapter that a lot of people preach about during Valentine's Day because it's talking about love, you know. It's, it's what's known as the, the love chapter. And it starts off, he said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men of angels and have not charity or love. He's going to say charity, but that word charity means love. I'm becoming a sounding brass and tinkling symbol. He's going to show you in more excellent way. And immediately he says, though I speak with tongues. He said, though I have all this stuff and have not charity. A more excellent way that Paul's talking about is a way of love, Brother David. How many know that love is the foundation of this Christian way of living? After all, the Bible lets us know that God is love, right? So, I am beginning a series of sermons that I'm going to deal with how to get along with people and how to live. I am convinced that if we can get our love right, there is nobody in this world that we can't get along with. There's nobody, I, I, I'm going to go farther than that. I'm convinced that if we can get our love right, it's the best way to live. You're going to have peace. You're going to have happiness. It'll help you live longer. Amen. Unless you die for somebody. But that's, the Bible says, no greater love than man to lay down his life for another. Somebody may ask, why did Jesus only live 33 years? Because he loved us. So we're going to focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what's called the love chapter. I'm going to call this series a more excellent way. You see, loving people like Jesus loves people is a way of life that's the best of all. It may be difficult sometimes, and not, not everybody is, is easy to love. Can I get an amen? amen. But it's possible. 
After all, he said, we are to live in peace and harmony with everyone. It's a lot easier to hate somebody and dislike somebody than it is to love somebody. I talked about it this morning. You know, we can, we can settle for something less or we can settle for a more excellent way. It's easy to hate someone. It's easy to demonize someone. Talk about somebody. But real strength comes in love. It's easy to argue with your spouse. Get mad and fuss and hopefully not cuss. It's easy to get mad at your kids and fuss and gripe and growl. But it's not as easy to love. Love is probably the highest form of strength that there is in this world. Love is the, probably the most powerful force in this world is love. No doubt. That's why as you know, probably during that time I, you know, the parchment paper and the ink and everything was so I mean, it's not like us, you know. When we start scrambling looking for an ink pen if you go look at my wife's purse, you'll find probably there's 20 or 30 ink pens at any time. She used them at work all the time. Those are here Thursday night. My nephew, Heath, was here. And this beautiful little girl, they call her Juju. Just shortcut trying to get a, a hug from her. And she went and finally figured out she likes ink pens. So she handed her three ink pens. And he finally got a hug out of her. I promise you. Paul wouldn't have been doing that because during that time, the parchment paper, we you know we, we get to writing stuff, we'll write things down, and we get to like all these papers up here they brought to me to figure out who won their contest today. When we get done, we'll just wind up and throw it away. Inkpin gets down to where it's halfway writing, we'll just throw it away. But I promise you they didn't do that back there in Paul's time because a lot of times their parchment that they wrote on was, was skins and, and it wasn't easy just to get paper. We can walk down the road and find paper, you know? And ink pens, we find ink pens off. I mean, how many ever been cleaning out the couch and you clean out uh, 10 forks and five spoons and about 10 ink pens, you know? What are you trying to say, brother? And I'm trying to make a point here. The fact that Paul is writing and he's writing about the gifts of the Spirit, but all of a sudden it just dawns him, hey, I'm telling him about the gifts, but hang on a second. I got to tell him about this because I don't want to get so caught up with the gifts that they forget there's something more important than just gifts. There's something more powerful than having the gift of knowledge. There's something more powerful than having the gifts of tongues and interpretation. There's something more powerful than having the discerning of spirits. Hey, you need to know how to love. Love is so powerful. Do you think it's easy for Jesus to love us sometimes? And I know I think I thought about I wrote that down this morning as I'm as I'm writing this out and, and writing my uh, my thoughts. I wrote that down and I started to mark it off because like that's not right. I'm gonna leave it there because we we may think it's hard for Jesus to love us, but the answer is that if we say yeah, it's hard for it's not hard for Him to love us. Now, we may make it difficult sometimes, but he loves us. And he, you know why? He created us. So he loves us. Can I get an amen? Jesus died for us. He loves us. 
How much does he love us? We know the famous scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I talked about it this uh, this morning during the song service, how he who knew no sin became sin. He never knew sin before, but he became sin for us. Why? Because he loves us. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. No, the Bible may tell me so, but I'll tell you what it really tells me. But because he loves me unconditionally, Sister Heather. It doesn't matter what I do. You know how I know that? Because Jesus, hanging on that cross, looked at the people that crucified him and put him up there and said, I'm going to forgive you because you don't even know what you're doing. He loves us. And love is the most powerful force in this world. It's more powerful than just getting up here. Because let me tell you what, I can. Oh, come on. Let me tell you something. Let's talk about the word for a second. The word's powerful, isn't it? Amen. The Bible says the word's powerful. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. But I can take this same word and I can get up here and preach it without a spirit of love and a spirit of compassion. And I can cut people apart and destroy people. And they can walk out of here and never love Jesus. But Brother Donnie, I can take this same word and preach it in love and let people know that God loves you and I love you as I'm preaching it. And it will save a world. Love is powerful. John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. He said, as I've loved you. He didn't say just love one another, okay? We, we look at these scriptures sometimes. But he didn't just say, hey, you, you got to love each other. But he said, you got to love each other as I have loved you. That you also love one another. He, he took it and drove it home again. I want you to love one another, but not the way you think, but as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. And then he goes on to say, verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if ye have loved one another. If you'll love people the way Jesus loves them. If we're really going to be a disciple of Jesus and be like Jesus, we're going to love one another like Jesus loved us. That's the most powerful force on this earth is the love of Jesus. And if we're going to really change this world, if we're going to change this city, we're going to fill our church up with Donnie. We're going to have happy marriages. We're going to have happy families. If we're going to have uh, be happy on the job, peace within our life, it's going to come through the most powerful thing in this world, and that's through the love of God flowing through us. First Corinthians chapter 12 deals with the uh, the gifts of spirit, as you heard me say. First Corinthians chapter 14 deals with prophecy. But stuck right in the middle of the two, Paul deals with the subject of love. It tells me two things. It tells me this. If you don't have if you don't have love. Uh, let, me, let me back up and say this again. I, I wrote it down wrong, so let me just say it like I'm supposed to say it here. If you don't have love, the gifts can still work in your life. I want you to think about that. 
If you don't have love, the gifts can still work in your life. Now, that is a scary thought. And I have scripture to back this up. It's very scary to think that somebody can have some of the gifts that, that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but yet not love somebody like Jesus loves us. So here's the thing. Romans 11, 29 says the gifts of calling of God are without repentance. See, Brother John, I've heard more than one time somebody come to church, God saves them, all of a sudden the gifts of God begin to work in their life and they backslide and walk away from God. But that gift continued to work in their life. I've heard, I've heard stories of people walking in churches. They say, I can't go to church because when I walk into church, because they're, they're not, they're not, they don't want to live for God right now. They're, they're, they're sowing their wild oats. They're doing what they want to do. But Brother Donnie, they say, but it's hard for me to go to church because when I walk into church, I feel the gifts begin to work in my life. And I look at people, God, God is, let me know this. This is wrong with them, and that's wrong with them, and, and that's why I've, I've heard the many stories of a, a preacher coming through town, and they're they're preaching, and, and they're, my goodness, people being saved, and people being filled with the Holy Ghost, people being baptized, and people's lives are being changed, and, and the next thing you know, that uh, it ain't been too long ago. Oh, I said not too long ago when I was a young man. And I was at uh, Star Bethlehem before Brother Fuller took the church. I remember a guy coming through, man. He, he, man, he could sing, he could play, and people. That, it, our church was rolling with revival with this guy, and we had new people coming in. And about two weeks later, I heard, later I heard out that he had he was, uh, had an affair. He was having an affair with his wife. With that, how in the world could that happen? This man is preaching the gospel. The gifts is working through his life because you can have the gift and not have love. Why do you think Jesus looked at the people and, and they said, hey, haven't we cast out devils in your name? Haven't we done this in your name and that in your name? But Jesus looks at them and said, I don't know you. Depart from me. Because you can have the gifts and not have the love of God. Somebody can get up and read your mail and and and, and just uh, uh, I mean just tell you things about your life and then they can. Man, I, I've had some people, Brother Donnie, that I have had experiences with that, like man, they, that's an incredible preacher. And then I get to know them, and I'm like, ooh, they're not even nice. They're not even a kind person. But you're using them? Wow, Lord. Because the gifts of calling God is without repentance. God gives you a gift almost as an investment because he knows the potential in you, but he still has given us the choice in our life to do what we want with it. And he knows the potential in that person. He gives that gift to them. So number one, the way he, the way this fell out, it's like Paul sons about the gifts. He goes, oh, wait, wait a second. I know you can use that gift, but hang on. But then right after the love chapter, chapter 13 is the gift he, he talks about prophecy. Real prophetic work of God cannot truly work without love involved. Somebody may have the gift of the Spirit, but when you're talking about this prophecy, and it goes into the, the prophetic when you begin to read in verse chapter 14 uh, of 1 Corinthians. To what's really cutting off the real miracles because real prophetic works 
brings the miracles of God. It brings the great miracles in the churches. The reason we're seeing less miracles in our churches, especially in America, is because there's not the love that we need. Why do you think a missionary can leave everything he knows and goes to another country? Why? Because he loves people like Jesus loves them. And Brother Donnie, he can go to another country and it takes loving people, hallelujah, to leave your country, to leave the air conditioners, to leave all the fancy stuff we got and go to another country and preach to them. It takes the real love of God. Why do you think there's miraculous things happening over there? There's blinded eyes that's being opened. There's all this. And why do you think in America, all of a sudden, they start to happen in churches all across America. If anybody's been listening, uh, Brother Brother Donnie had Brother uh, Aaron Bounds out of, out of Ohio. Man, he's got that stuff begin to flow and happen in his church. He's letting the love and the gifts and all that stuff begin to happen to flow through his church. And there's miracles happening. They're seeing great things. You know what? I'm ready to see the miracles start happening in this church. But I'm going to tell you when it's really going to come is when we begin to let the gifts and the love and the prophets and everything come together and begin to work like the first century church work. So that's why I'm going to spend a few weeks on what it really means to love. Because it brings to us a more excellent way. It's, I know these gifts are important, but let me tell you a more excellent way. So let me read. I'm going to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's not very long. It's just 13 verses. But give me a second and I will read through this quickly. And then we'll talk just a little bit about this. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, have not charity, I become a sounding brass and tinkling symbol. Though I have the gifts of prophecy, understanding mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have faith, so I can remove mountains and have not charity, I have nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Charity is long, it's kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up, it's not behave itself in sin, but seeketh not her own. Not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, they shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now by the faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. This morning I want to look at the first three verses, which Paul begins by saying in chapter 12, he said, now I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And he starts off with it. He says, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity. I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He, what's important of love? It's what Paul begins off with. It. He said, let, let me tell you how important love is. He said, I, I want to show you the, the best way to take care of virtually every situation. That, this is what I'm going to talk about over this, this series. The best way to take care of virtually any situation is with love. He points out that love is important, more important than four things in these first three verses. He points out four different things that love is more important than. And we consider a lot of Christian things important, right? 
We, we consider a lot of Christian things important. We think, hey, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I, I believe that person should dress and look right. That's important, but is it more important love? Amen. Let me, let me talk about something here. He says, love's more important. So I speak with tongues of men and angels, and I'm not charity. Hey, it, it's more important than the spiritual gifts. I can speak in tongues of men and angels, but if I don't love, I'm only resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I was doing some study of this, and I noticed I read something where a lot of the temples, they would walk in, and if I understood it correctly, they'd have this big gong and this big cymbal there. And when you walked in to show that you was a, a uh, believer of the one true God, you walk in, you pick up that gong, Boom! Then letting everybody proclaim as you go in there and say, Boom! I believe there's that one God. I'm a believer. And perhaps that's where this came from. See, love is more important than any spiritual gift. And I talked about it a second ago. You know, somebody might have all these gifts, Brother David, but if they don't love, what good is it? If God gives me the discerning of the spirit about somebody and I'll look at that person and I'll realize, okay, they're really being a hypocrite. God's letting me know through the discerning spirit that person's being a hypocrite. But I don't have love. My goodness, that's dangerous. Because then I might go telling everybody, hey, there's just a hypocrite. Just leave them off. Instead of using what the purpose of that gift, God giving the discerning spirit that they're hypocrite, love should take me to them and say, hey, do some correction through love and teach them. Amen. Love's important. He, he goes on to say, and Paul said that love's more important than knowledge. He said, if I had the gift of prophecy can, and, and uh, understand all mysteries and knowledge, I might have all this knowledge and have the gifts of prophecy. I might, God may give me prophecy of things that's coming in the future. He said, but if I have no, don't have love, that's no good. I mean, I might know this Bible from front to back. Folks, I'm on my 17th time reading it. I don't feel like I'm a dummy about the Word of God. But what good does all that knowledge do me if I don't love people? I don't have the love of God flowing through it, through me. If you know it all, if, if you know everything there is to know about uh, nuclear science, about medicine, philosophy, psychology, and you know all the ologies there are. You know all about that stuff, but yet you don't love. You're nothing. Love is the root of it. It's no wonder Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, love will change our heart. If you have knowledge without love, you'll be you end up being a jerk. Hey, knowledge without love just makes you think you're better than everybody else. See, the heart of people needs to change before our society is going to change, before our churches change. Now we're you know we're going to teach the Bible, but we got to have love. 
And I know the hour we're living in, people said, oh, all, you know, all some churches never teach is love, 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 love. But I'm going to tell you what. Love is important. It's the basis of what this is all about. Paul went on to say, thirdly here for this, the third thing, he said, and though I have faith so I can remove mountains I have and have my charity, I'm nothing. Paul said that love is more important than faith. He don't say that faith's not important. He says love's more important. What is our faith? This faith right here is talking about it's, it's what we believe. It's this, this faith is not necessarily talking about it. If you look at the definition of it, back it up. It's not saying that faith, Sister uh, uh, Lois, that we may have faith in that God's going to do this, this, this. This is that faith. In, like, you know, what faith of you? This is what it's talking about. It's what you believe. Do you believe that God's the creator of the world? Do, do you believe that God robed himself in flesh as Jesus Christ and it came to this world and he's that one God and I was talking about earlier and he's, he's uh, uh, made a way for us to be born again? Do we believe that? Do we understand how important it is to be baptized in the name of Jesus and how he'll fill us with the Holy Ghost? You may believe that. You may believe all this, all, all the doctrines of God, but let me tell you what he said. Although you may have faith and you know what you believe, if you don't love, that doesn't do you any good. Amen. I mean, so I said, I, I believe in one God. Good for you. So does the devil. Bible says it, Luke James 2 19. They believe in one God. Fear and tremble, but they still don't love. Faith is not valuable to us unless it's backed up by love. You know, the priest and the Levite. We know the story of the, the Good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite walk right on by the guy laying in the street. But here comes the Good Samaritan, supposed to be the dog, you know. The half Gentile, half Jew, but look what he done. Jesus used that as an example to show us what loving our neighbor is. Paul went on to say Galatians 5 and 6, but faith which worketh by love. All right, we need that. And he goes on to say the last thing here that the importance of, a, of why we need this love. He said, and though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. Love is more important than our generosity. You know, he didn't say if I give my 10%. No, he says if I empty my pocket, if I empty my checking account. He said, "Go, I get." So he said, "Go, I bestow all I got. Oh, cash in all my insurance policies, pull out any investments I've got, and I give it to totally, completely to all the poor." The generosity, what we give, is not enough. That's why we give. Why do we give? We we give because. The Lord gets up there and says, you got to pay your tithes. you got to get an offering. He's going to see me not put, put no offering there and he's going to get upset at me. 
We do it just to impress somebody else. The only reason I give is to receive a benefit for myself. And that's not love. Our giving is empty. The motive for giving should be love. Love because I want to see the kingdom prosper. Love because of it's going to help God's people. Love because I see somebody hurting and I want to, I have something so I want to give to them. This is what love is. Paul is saying that love is, is, is more important than spiritual gifts. See, he's saying, look, it, it's why it's like as he paused in the middle of this telling about the gifts, he paused and said, hang on a second. Before I go any farther and tell you more about all these great gifts, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you what fuels this. I gotta tell you the most important thing. I want to show you a more excellent way than just the gifts. He says, and, 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 it's, and, and let me tell you, it's more important than these gifts. It's, it's more important than any knowledge. It's more important than any, any faith and belief that you have. It's more important than all this stuff, this generosity that you're giving. It's important, Brother Donnie. Love's important. Love stops revival, or the lack thereof. Love messes with marriages for the lack thereof. Love, people, kids not feeling loved is why they're getting on drugs and alcohol at a young age. It's why they're uh, having babies out of wedlock at an early age. This is why they're, they're doing the stuff they are. It's why adults, people like do the things that we're doing is because love is not right. Jesus, what did he say? You love one another as I've loved you. So we're loving people based on Brother Donnie. Here's the problem we have with love, honestly. This is the truth. I mean, a man and woman gets married and there's issues in their marriage. You know why? Because a man or the woman is trying to love their spouse based on the love that they have learned from their parents or from Hollywood are from the lack of their parents' love and they just try to figure it out on their own. This is why we're having problem in marriages. This is why we're having problem in churches. And, and this is why we're having all this problem because our love, the love that we're trying to, you know, and let me just go farther than this. Let me, let me go farther than this, okay? I know we have a lot of churches. All they do is preach on one side of love. Love has more than one uh, one side of it, okay? Love has more than one side. You know, we have the parent that don't, won't whoop their kid and think that's love. That's not love. I don't know why. The parent that says, I want to let my kid make its own choices in life. That's not real love. When that kid don't have enough knowledge in its life yet to make the right decision, that's why it needs a parent to lead and guide them. Bethany's in town Friday night. One of our bus kids is not here today. She's at the five store, one of the five store there in, in, in town, and she was going there to get something to drink, and one of our bus kids in there. It was like reaching for a pop or something. She said, you going to buy that? And he said, 
well, I've got this much money, you know, it was like 30 cents or something like that. And he says, do you want it? He said, yes, I'll get it for you. She bought it for him. The point was this, but Donnie, what does this 10-year-old boy doing riding his bicycle over town? We see it all the time, don't we? Kids wandering all over the place. Yeah. The last Sunday morning, wasn't it? Last Sunday morning, we had two kids ride from town on their bicycles to come here because they was hungry and they knew we'd be feeding them. But why are they, you know, just to say these parents don't love them at all? No, I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not saying it. What I'm saying is when we have the love where it needs to be in our world, that's a, that's the thing, you know. We're we're we married. See, I, I read it. He's, I'm gonna give you a new commandment: love one another. I have loved you. You know, no doubt that we love each other in so many ways. But are we loving people as He loved us? I mean, it talks about. Now, I don't think I'm using bad words this morning. I'm using biblical words. You know, He said uh, He talks about. The, the bastard son, okay? And, and Sister Lois, I mean, I've talked about a lot. I go to Walmart and I see them kids running around squalling, flopping on the floor. Ah! I want to go over there and I'm going to pull my belt off. I'm going to act like that. But I don't. They're not mine. If he loves you, he's going to correct you sometimes. Amen. There's no correcting like God. He said, notice this, I've read it already in John 13, 34. He said, a new commandment I give you, that love, that you love one another. You notice he said a commandment, not a suggestion? God never commands us to do anything that we cannot do. And we tend to think that love is something that just happens. Because that is what the world teaches us. It just, it just happens. You 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 know you you uh, I, I talked about, about it a little bit the other night. You know you, you fall in love like you fall in a ditch somewhere, or you fall out of love like you fall out of a tree. You you just can't help it, right? It's something that just happens to you. You know we remember those song Becky um, can play it on a ukulele. I love to hear. I can't help falling in love with you. Yeah, if that's the way you feel, you're also going to be able to help falling out of love with them. Because we look at, oh man, isn't she fine? You know, I can I can love you easy. You look, you're so pretty, and you you look just fine, right? I can I can fall in love with you. Yeah, if yet that's the way we feel once you get. Married, you wake up to the bad breath and the, the the bad attitude. Come on, forgive me, folks. You know, once a month it's tough on ladies. All right, right, families go farthest. It's uh, pre, during, and post, also, right? I'm sorry, ladies, you have to deal with that. But you know what? It's a it's a whole lot easier to love them during that time when that's not happening, right? Ladies, come on, help me out. It's a whole lot easier to love them when y'all all you're going and everything's hunky dory. But when he come home from work and had a bad day, 
He's mad at his boss and he's taking it out on you. It was a lot easier to love him when you seen him that first time. Like, whoo, man, he looks fine. A lot easier to love him like that. But you know what? We, we use that stuff. You know, the other song. Lost that loving feeling, you know. The Bible teaches that love's something we, we control. Now, the world don't believe this. I, and I know a lot of people believe that love's something we control. God commands us to love each other. It means that I decide to love you and you in turn can decide to love me. So this is not a hopeless situation. What, what kind of love are we talking about? Paul, Philippians 2 and 4, he tells us that let me, I had to write that down. Let me go to that one. Philippians 2 and 2 and 4. I put a Long little spin there. I, I want to read it like it says it here. I, I'm almost done here today. I'm just more of an introduction to this today. But 2 and 4 said, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The, the verse up before that says, uh, Let Nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let us esteem each other better than themselves. That's, that's Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Well, what, what, what's he saying? He said, you know what? Don't look only to your own interests here. He said, but look at the interests of others. In other words, he's saying, love in the same way that Jesus loves. Think about others. Think about their interests. Just like you think about your own interests, your own lives. What's he saying? You, we become unselfish. It's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. This is the kind of love that he's talking about right here. That's a more excellent way. It's a kind of it's a kind of love to make your life different. Where you're, where in the world, the, the love that this world is producing right now is a selfish love. I mean, even the point that. Every new phone coming along now has got a better front camera on it, okay? It's always been the back cameras was better, you know. But now you've got a better front camera. Why? We can take a better selfie of ourselves. It's all about selfie, all about us. But love, real love's not all about me. That's why when somebody asks Jesus the greatest commandments, he said, love the Lord thy God with all heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second commandment, love your neighbor as thyself. That's why he said, love them as you love yourself. This is the whole basis of this is what Jesus was, uh, that's why he went to Calvary, shed, but he loved us. In order for this love to work, Sister Lois, we got to practice this. I, I, mean, I was talking about wisdom the last six weeks, at, the last six uh, it was a six-week series on, on, on wisdom, but, but Brother Donnie, we, if we, we see in that wisdom, the, the key to having wisdom is something that's practiced every day. Love, the real love of God is something we have to practice every day. To really love like Jesus loves is something you're going to have to practice. I've got to practice. We all wake up with headaches. We all wake up not feeling good. We all wake up with the dread of thinking about the bills we got and the, the situations, the circumstances. It's easy when you get that way. It gets get grumpy and irritable and 
and, and not love the way Jesus loves. And we can practice this, okay? Let's let's see how we work. Start practicing at home in our families. On the next, I don't know how long it's going to take me to get through this, honestly. I just know that this direction will go with it. But I'm going to get down the nitty-gritty and dirty here talk about we'll make us feel uncomfortable, I hope. Because we need to love more. I want this to be a church where somebody walks through the door and they're like, what do I feel? What is that feeling? It's that feeling. It doesn't matter what you've done out there, what you look like when you walk that through that door, how you are, that when you walk through there that, that door, they know, I feel love in this place. It's not just any love, but it's the love of God. It's a love that transcends who we are and what we are and whether our breath stinks and whether, whether we put on 20 pounds or whether we, uh, uh, whatever may be the case, whether I got a job or I don't got a job, whether I smell good or whether I don't smell good. And we can start this at home. What if every family, every person in this place today would say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to put this to practice. We start with our spouse. Those who's not married, start with those that, that's in our household. We ought to love our spouse. First. We ought to be kinder. Or tender. Or gentle. Even if they're acting like a jerk. What would be, what would happen if we at our homes go home and begin to just love each other? With this love that I'm talking about today. Just begin to love. You, you know, you get up in the morning and think, you know, I want some coffee. Instead of just sitting in a chair and say, hey, bring me coffee. Get up yourself and go get it. And then while you're there, Holler back and say, hey, honey, do you, you want some coffee? Want cream in it? What, what would happen if we began to study our spouses or Sister Heather's, their, their mom? We think we know them, but do we? We begin to study them, and we know what they like. And we begin to love them with that type of nature. You know, a lot of times our, our guys, if, if your wife is dealing with self-esteem, there's nobody in this world that's going to make her feel more like a woman than you. And I'm, you know, I, I'm recording this, whatever, but I, the world needs to hear this kind of thing. And not just because of maybe what happened in the bedroom, okay? But if she, if you think she's pretty, don't wait. My goodness, don't wait till you're in an argument and say, oh, you look pretty. Catch her when you look nice today. Not looking for something else, okay? Amen. You look nice today. That color looks good on you. 
I'm talking about love. We can learn to react better. See, if we can start this stuff beginning in our marriage or relationship, you know what? It, it'll filter down. Our children. You know, it ought not to be. I think I mentioned this the other day, and I just want to say it again. It ought, it ought not to be that when we see everybody out on the streets that we're, we're so nice and kind to them that we go home and we're so rude to our wife and kids. Or, you know, the kids are downstairs and you know, kids can treat everybody else good and treat their parents with disdain. And, you know, I'm talking about a love that's going to bring a revival in this place we've never seen. Then maybe it could, maybe it could filter to the in laws, even. You know, to the neighbor. To the person in the car who cut you off. You start practicing love every day, but no. Why, why are you saying it? Because love. I told you, he gave us four reasons why love is so important. Love, he said, it's, it's more important than the gifts of spirit. It's more important than all that stuff you're giving. It, it's, it's more important than all the knowledge you can have. It's more important than, than what you believe just necessarily about, you know, as far as the doctrines and all that. The greatest doctrine of the Word of God is love. He said, God is love. We could just begin to love people, practice it every day. Come on, if you're a grump all the time, why? It's your choice. Quit being a grump. Well, I just got up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, get up on the other one then. Choose to choose to love. Love is a choice, folks. Amen. You make your mind up to love. Let's love each other. I've read it so many times, but in closing this today, John 13, 34, 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. He says again, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we love one another. There is a more excellent way for us to live. But now what would happen if we choose to love everybody? The person cuts you off and that moment of road rage hits you and you're ah! And you're releasing cancer cells in your body. The smiling happiness. Do you know they say there's nothing in this world that 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 uh, uh, releases more? I don't remember what the the stuff is in your body to, for healing agents and then happiness, and smiling, laughing. Laughing does more for our body and healing than anything else. We can laugh in the face of adversity. Laugh. You know what will happen every once in a while? You, you're going to fuss and argue with your spouse and those around you that you love. At some point, you ought to just stop and laugh at yourself and say, what am I doing? I'm just causing more stress in my world. 
I've been I, lately. I've been trying to do some of this stuff, and it's just like I've had to just laugh at myself and just go suck it up. Say, honey, I'm sorry. I was an idiot. I'm sorry. I was an idiot. Because there's a more excellent way. Now, you don't love that spouse, somebody else will. You don't love them kids, somebody else will. They might love them like you do. There is no love like God's love. And Brother Donnie, if we could just begin to search and look and understand the love of God, oh my goodness, there is no telling what God's going to do in your life, what he's going to do in this church. No wonder that's why he says, you know, I'm going to tell you about all the gifts. But hang on a second. Let me tell you about a more excellent way. Let me tell you something that's better than, than, than the gifts of God. I'm going to tell you right now, if I had my choice between being able to have tongues of interpretation in my life, being able to read your mail and tell where you're at, or, or have all these other gifts that we, we hear about in, 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 in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, between that and love, I'm going to pick love every day. I'm going to pick it every day. Let me put it in... in Terms we can understand. If if I have to pick between having a, a big, fine, fancy, nice house and all these cars and everything, and sitting there by myself with nobody enjoy it with me, give me my wife and a shack or the woods or a cardboard box somewhere. Somewhere, if I know my wife loves me and we're happy, that's good enough. Because love is that important. That's why there's millionaires shoot themselves every day. That's why the devil wants you depressed. That's why the devil wants you to think about yourself because in the middle of your depression, in the middle of your demise and all that stuff, it's hard for you to think about somebody else when you're thinking about you. It's hard for you to get beyond your depression when you're thinking about you. It's hard for you to be kind and generous to somebody else when you're being selfish. That's why the devil is fighting that. I, I got to thinking about this morning, John 10, 10, the thief coming except to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I come to give you life, and life more abundantly. You know what he's trying to say? I'm trying to make you happy. And the way that we're happy is we just choose. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to love. Amen. The way the world's going to find out about the love of Jesus is, is John 13 and 35. By this, by this, what? He said, by you loving as I've loved you. By this shall the people know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's the way the world's going to find out the message of Jesus is valid. It's the way the world's going to find out the message of Jesus is real. So when we love each other the way Jesus loved us, and when we develop in our lives that same kind of compassion for people that Jesus had, no matter what they look like, no matter how they act when they walk through these doors, let's let's leave let's leave these doors. Matter of fact, we need to go out. We need to go out there and love them. Look, folks, I'm ready for this, some of this stuff here to change. It's going to change when we quit being selfish and realize there's a world out here that needs Jesus, and we got to get busy and save him. Stand with me. Someone has said they will not care how much you know till they know how much you care. They will not know how much you they will not care how much you know till they know how much you care. There's a more excellent way. That's the way of the love of Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. God, help us to live a more excellent way. God, as over the next 
few weeks, how long it takes to finish this as we dive into this love, Lord, that you would show us a more excellent way, God. You'd help us to love. Love, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, so much. Touch us here today, God. Touch every life. Touch every heart. Touch every soul, God. 